Welcome to Solitude, a podcast for women ages 40 and older, hosted by Ann Calcutt and Shelley Roy. As life coaches, we believe that thoughts create your sense of self and enrich well-being. Stay tuned for tips and stories on how to thrive after divorce, career changes, difficult relationships, and transitions. Our goal is to help you live authentically through mindset practices. Well, welcome everyone. Hey Anne, how are you today? I am doing great. Welcome to today's episode to all of our listeners. Yeah, today we thought we'd take a little bit different track than we have a little bit in the past. Um, One of the things that we sort of ended last week's show about talking is in terms of sort of looking at our lives and what are the challenges we face, but probably more importantly, what's the lesson or the opportunity those challenges have brought to us. So we thought today we'd sort of share some of that. Um, And uh, Anne, you want to kick it off here? Sure. I've I've talked a, a lot about these lessons with you over the years. Um, and all of this information is familiar to you, Shelley. But um, learning lessons is is valuable. It's it's a part of life. So I have many many lessons that I learned from my separation and divorce, and then many lessons that I've learned in transition since and being. Um, a divorced woman and being in the dating uh, world and then remarrying as um, being a a second wife. So um, I wanted to touch on those areas and I'll start with um, two of the most valuable lessons that during the transition from being a married woman being a wife to being a divorced woman. And again, for those of you who are listening for the first time, I was married for 22 years and we were together for 25 and we um, separated when our only child was 18. There was was, um, a, a very difficult period of time, of course, as there are is in most divorces. But two of the main lessons that I learned during that transition are it really helped me grow when I surrounded myself with positive people. And I could tell a huge difference in the way I felt both mentally and physically when I surrounded myself with positive, energetic, successful people versus people who were not those things. And fortunately, at the time that I was going through my separation and divorce, I also made a huge transition and changed careers. And for you listeners, that's how Shelly and I met. I left the classroom and joined a nonprofit organization and Shelly and I became co-workers 
And so I had a lot of transitions going on at the same time, um, going through a separation and divorce, changing careers. My only child was graduating high school, leaving for college and not just leaving for college, but going to college out of state. So all of these things happening at the same time. But I benefited greatly when I surrounded myself with positive people. Another life lesson that helped me through this transition was when I lived as the woman I wanted to be versus the woman that I was. When I focused on, oh, I am and the 45-year-old who is going through a divorce, I'm living by myself for the first time in two, over two decades. I'm worried about my finances. I'm worried that um, I'll be alone for the rest of my life. You know, all the negative things. Um, I was focused on the woman that I was in the moment. When I discovered that I could learn to live as the woman I wanted to become, a happy woman, an independent woman, a woman who was ready to you know, date and be in a relationship again, um, to not be in a um, terrible relationship with my ex-husband, you know, to get all that negativity um, out and to bring positivity into my life. When I started living as the woman I wanted to become, things were so much better. So those were two life lessons during the huge transition um, of moving from a divorced or a married woman to a divorced woman. So surrounding myself with positive people and learning to live as the woman I wanted to be versus the, versus the woman that I currently was. Thoughts on that, Shelley? Yeah, actually, I'll just piggyback, especially on that second piece. Um, I would target mine a little later maybe than you did. Um, I was married for 17 years, and I don't even know if I've been divorced a long time now. My um, oldest was probably in eighth grade, and my youngest was third or fourth grade, somewhere in that range. But I think this life lesson came sort of similar to yours. You talked about it in terms of living is the woman you want to be. And I'm going to phrase it just a hair different, but it's sort of the same idea. And that's to let go of the outcome, right? To act in a way that all I'm worried about is not worrying is how I'm being rather than worrying about doing something to get something, right? So that required me to, like you said, figure out who it is I want to be. And for me, that lesson came when my children were sort of young adultish age, because I find found myself, I found, believe strongly in whenever I talk to my children to telling them I love them, because I want to, if something should happen to me or happen to them, I want those to be sort of the last sentiments they have of me, is knowing that I love and care about them. But if I do that in anticipation of them saying back to me, I love you, if I call and leave a message for them and ex and I do that with the expectation of them coming back to me, I, I've learned that through that transition of going from them being at home with me and moving into a young adulthood and becoming more independent, that I have to let go of the outcome. I have to be who I want to be and not do it without 
with expectations on the part of the other person. And once I did that, it just freed me up a whole lot. So if I want to talk to somebody, I'm going to call them, not in anticipation that they're going to call me back or something's going to happen. It can be as simple as the idea of saying good morning to people. Do we say good morning to someone expecting them or anticipating they're going to be saying good morning back? And when they don't, are sort of we're all off kilter. And so I had to really start figuring out who is it I want to be? What's the kind of person I want to be? And do what I wanted to do and be who I wanted to be and let go of the outcome. Right. I think too often we do things in anticipation or with expectations of others. So that was one huge transition when my children were moving out, when they were really becoming independent adults. And that was really, for me, a time when I really sort of recognized, you know what, I have to be who I'm going to be and they're going to be who they are. But I can't do things, keep doing things with expectations because I got to figure out who I want to be. So that's somewhat similar, I think, Anne, to what you were talking about, just a, a, a little bit different. So it absolutely is. And as I'm hearing you share your story, it all comes back to what we can control. Controlling things that we can control, looking inward. We can control our thoughts, our actions our behavior. Um, it, and that is all in mindset and thought work. And we've talked about that before on previous broadcasts um, or previous podcasts. And, you know, that lesson can be learned in many, many life transitions. But I, I really believe for women, it is learned during the hardest of life's transitions, specifically yeah. um, becoming an empty nester, um, going through a divorce, anything that has to do with your children and your relationship with your children. So, yes, I wholeheartedly agree that focusing on the one you want to be and learning to hone in on what you can control versus being focused on the outcome and what others may be doing yeah. and what others are thinking. Yeah. So that's a big one. Yeah. I, I think one of the other ones for me, um, I'm going to take us back. I know we're, we both come out of education. I'm going to take you back to one of the first teaching jobs I ever had in a very small rural town in Nebraska. Um, and I had a student. It was one of my first years teaching. I really, I only had 12 students, which today, but I had nothing, right? Here's your classroom. Here's your kids. Uh, in one month, come to the school board and tell us what you're teaching, right? So, I mean, there was, you know, a lot of freedom, uh, but also a lot of pressure, right? But I had this one young man and I would become, I would find myself very frustrated because he would all often be outwardly saying, I'm not doing that much less not doing it, but, but outwardly, I'm not going to do that. You can't make me do that. I mean, I would hear that a lot or he would re not only refuse to do things, he would become very angry at something small that would happen in the classroom. And, and I can remember thinking, um, you know, like, 
I was like sort of at my wits end. What am I going to do with this kid? And I remember one day very clearly where he sat in his desk and said to me for 20 minutes because I had him stay, you know, typical teacher thing when you're new and young, um, stay in from recess. And he said to me for 20, that whole 20 minutes, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. He just kept repeating it. And, and the life lesson I learned is it probably took me six months into the school year to learn the backstory. Um, and, and I've learned from this story to be what I would call open-minded um, to not assume I know what's going on with someone else. And this young man came from a family where both parents had had multiple DUIs and they would drive a tractor because they no longer had a driver's license. Um, they were, um, he was both physically and emotionally probably ab abused at home. It was a small town. Everybody would hear it. Everybody knew it, but me, you know, I was new to town and young. And I can remember thinking towards the end of the year, I have got to recognize that when I approach somebody, I do not know the whole story, right? The, the transition of, of becoming a new teacher and working in a situation because I had never worked with kids in those situations before, but that recognizing that life lesson that I still have to remind myself today, I don't know what's happening in this person's life. Right. And, and so keeping my mind open and recognizing there's probably a backstory here that I am not aware of. Um, I think that's, that's been for me another one, right? A really a takeaway from a very, especially then, a very challenging situation. I was probably 21 years old, you know, in, a, in a, one of my first teaching positions. We had no principal. It was, we didn't even have a teacher per grade. I mean, you know, so there wasn't a big support structure. So it was very different than it is today in many cases. But very powerful lesson for me is recognize, I don't know what's going on in this person's life. I need to remain open-minded and ask questions until I gather enough data to see, all right, what's going on from the other side. And that lesson carries over to every aspect of life. I mean, we don't know everyone's backstory. And when we remember that, it helps, especially in working situations. I mean, even though we may know or think we know our coworkers, even when we're friends with our coworkers, you know, the old saying, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. That's actually true. We don't. So learning to accept that we don't know everyone's backstory can help us in dealing with negative situations, harmful and or hurtful situations um, with our interactions with other people. And I think that is a life lesson that we learn throughout transitions during our lives. And that is certainly one that um, we want to share with others, especially yeah. with our children, our own children. Um, sharing that with our friends, our children, you know, our coworkers, it helps in day-to-day -day, um, 
interactions with others. Yeah. And it's a good reminder to me, hurting people hurt others, right? That's always yeah. one of the phrases that I think that I, I took away from that situation. If someone is hurting someone else intentionally or unintentionally often, it's because they're hurting. Right. And that's just a good, good, good reminder to me. So, Anne, did you have a, another lesson that you wanted to share with our listeners? Um, yes. Um, as I transitioned from being a, a married person to an actual divorced woman, I knew early on that eventually I would want to start dating. I knew that I did not want to to be a single woman for the rest of my life. I was young. I was 45, 46 years old. Um, so <laughs> the next transition was the dating world. And it took me a very long time. It took me a very long time to date. And for me, it was horrific. I went through a lot of crying spells, a lot of laughter at myself, like asking myself, what are you doing, Anne? How, why have you gotten yourself into this? How are you going to get yourself out? I mean, it, it was, I, I just had to turn it into something funny. And Shelly, you remember some of those stories um, because you were with me when I first started dating. Um, but that transition, I learned during that transition, I learned a very valuable lesson. And that is if you are a divorced woman and you decide that you want to date again, for many of us, it is okay to have a type. And, and let me share with you. I had convinced myself as a divorced woman that when I started dating again, that I had to, and I know that language makes you cringe, Shelly, but I had told myself, and you have to date men that are nothing like your ex-husband. I had convinced myself, okay, well, this, this didn't work after 25 years with this man, so you have to date men that are nothing like him. Well, okay, um, that didn't serve me, but I tried it and I dated several men and spent, had two long-term relationships with men I had absolutely nothing in common with. And it stressed me out, stressed me out. It's okay to have a tie. It's okay. So I learned that valuable life lesson during the transition to dating again after being with the same person for 25 years. Now, let me share with our listeners, especially for those who may know me, um, my husband now is not exactly like my ex-husband. Just because I had a type doesn't mean that I've married somebody who's exactly like my ex-husband because they are not exactly alike. Absolutely not. But I do have a type and it's okay. And I want divorced women who are in the dating world right now to know that it's okay to have a type. It's okay to date someone that's out of your type, but go with your gut feeling. I just know that it's okay. 
I don't want to give advice and say don't do, but let me tell you that it would have served me better had I gone with my gut feeling and just if I had just dated men who were my type, I would have saved myself um, over two years of my time. <laughs> I'm in the background. I had to mute my mic because I'm back here chuckling. Um, I did put at the bottom, scrolling at the bottom, and I will add to the show notes. Um, one of the books that Ann and I talked about when we talked about this one is How to Know If Someone Is Worth Pursuing in Two Dates. Great book because perfect book. It, the book isn't really about the other person. It's about you, back yes. to what we were talking about at the beginning, you getting very clear on what you want out of a relationship and what kind of a person that is and to recognize much more quickly when the person that you're dating or out with or whatever is not sort of fitting that, right? What are the red flags? Not red flags in general, but red flags for you personally, right? Right. And I, I think it's an extremely valuable book. If I had if I had a teenage daughter or one going off to college, it's one of the books I would probably recommend um, because yes. I think we would both attest to deciding who you're going to marry is a major life decision that has way more ramifications than we can ever, I think, realize in the moment. Um, so the, the, the last lesson I wanted to share is I call it living in the present and I had I thought it was funny as I worked on my blog about this session this week. I was telling Anne right before the show, I did a Google search, of course, um, to see about how many hits I would get on articles about living in the present moment. And there were just under, are you ready, people? Three billion with a B. Three billion articles. So this tells you this is a life lesson. A lot of people either need to learn, have learned, are trying to learn. And that's one of the other things I'd probably add to our conversation. We're, we're sharing these lessons and that doesn't mean that we live them every moment of our lives, right? We're a work in progress. But, you know, even doing the show is a good reminder to us about here's a life lesson I I want to I want to talk about. So living in the present, when I think about this is um, like Anne, I did some dating after my divorce. We were actually almost the same age when we got divorced. Um, I was about 43. Um, uh, unlike Anne, it didn't take me long to say, oh, this is, I'm not doing this. Um, I just, <laughs> I didn't, I don't know if I didn't have the energy for it, but it was like, you know what, this isn't adding to my life. And I think really that's what a relationship should do is add to my life, not take away from my life. And so I think that for me, it was just more about, about that. And I'm going to live my life and, and, and do and be who I want to be. And if somebody comes along, somebody comes along, but I did do some dating along the way, um, which as Anne mentioned, we could have a lot of stories about that time in our life, dating in our 40s and into our 50s. Um, but the lesson, the living in the present lesson, I, usually I think it's one, I on Sunday mornings often participate in something called Lotus Group where we do a collective meditation. We're reading a book about from uh, Pema Chodron about um, compassion and, and some other things. And I think that's often where the idea people think it comes from living in the present comes sort of maybe from the Buddhist tradition or mindfulness practices or whatever. But where it sort of 
touches home for me and the transitions is I was fortunate to be able to travel a lot in Europe when I was in uh, freshman and sophomore in high school. And then again, as a senior in college. Um, and I just so savored every moment of those trips. Um, I learned very quickly, as a friend of mine said, I can sleep when I get home. And so I had the opportunity to go with several colleagues and invited a friend of mine to go with us to China for 18 days to do a presentation at an international conference and then travel in China. And the person I had invited was very anxious um, about going in many ways. Um, and, and in the end did go, but spent so much of the trip worrying about having made the decision, so the past, worrying about the past, having made the decision to go on the trip. And the rest of the time they were worried and anxious about what was gonna happen when they got home and had to talk to the people that he had, they had left behind. And I was just like, you're standing on the Great Wall of China. You will probably never have this opportunity again. And here you are not living in the moment, you're living in the past, and you're living and you're worrying about the future. And it was such a powerful lesson. I can literally remember standing on the wall having that thought. Um, and, and so I try to do that. If nothing else, I encourage, usually we do that by taking a breath and centering ourselves. That's a good way to live in the present. But I also think what has made this really hard is I, when I go to an airport to travel and I look and there's a family traveling together and every person is on a different device, or I go to breakfast at one of the local delis and the whole family is out there and I know how precious family time can be and they're all on their device, a different device. And I just am like, this chance may never come again to you. And so why are you not living fully in this moment? I see it every time I go. I went the other day to the play that our students do here. It was amazing. They did Matilda. It was amazing. And half of the audience was on their phone videoing it. And the research on the brain is really clear. If you're videoing it, you're not immersed in the moment. And that moment will never happen again. So I think this idea of, I think we think of the word, I like the word I like better almost than living in the moment is savoring, savor the moment. Just like you would, for those of you that are wine drinkers, a good glass of wine. For me, it's, it's a good cheesecake, right? Do I take my time eating it? I savor, I think about every bite, everything that went into it. And I think that's more how we need to approach life. And I think every transition I've made has made, has helped me recognize that tomorrow it may not be there. And it's certainly not gonna be there the way it was today. So to take the time to really savor this and really live in this present moment. So Anne, thoughts about that? Yeah, I love savoring the, the present moment. And that is something that helped me during my transition from being a married woman to a divorced woman. Every single time that I lived in the present, whether I was walking at a local nature trail and I was 
present and would listen to the birds chirping, um, watch the turtles in the pond, you know, whatever it was, even just appreciating the fact that I saw a cardinal that day or what just being in the moment. I was so much calmer. My head was clearer. My heart was lighter. I, I was able to focus better. And even this morning when I was walking, all I could smell this morning during my four mile walk um, was the scent of gardenias. And I was so grateful that I was able to enjoy that. And I was present in that moment. And I also stopped along my walk just to look at this one lone <laughs> turtle on a log basking in the sun. When we get so caught up in everything that's happening around us, everything that's happening in our minds, I tell my husband um, that his, his thoughts are like a hamster on a wheel. He gets so caught up in his thoughts, um, as do I, as do a lot of people. You just have to take a breath and savor the present moment. So, yes, I do love that. So we're, we're winding up um, today. We're probably a little bit over our usual time limit. But there are so many life lessons that we have learned during different transitions of our lives that we would love to share with you listeners. And we'd love to hear from you. So let us know some of your life lessons during your transitions. And it doesn't have to be a transition that we shared. It can be a different transition. We didn't even talk about the transition of becoming an empty nester when children move out or, um, you know, a career transition. Let us hear from you. Um, Follow us on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. You know, we want, again, to build this community for women who are you know, living their best lives, living um, in the present and also living as the woman that you want to be in the future, living as that woman now. Yeah. And not waiting. So, <laughs> because you do not know what tomorrow is going to bring. <laughs> that's right. So don't, don't wait. So, um, from, from here in Eastern North Carolina. Um, and hot, hot, hot Southern Miami. Whew, it's hot right. We are sending you um, our best and many positive thoughts and vibes and much, much positive energy. So we look forward to seeing um, each other again next week and um, sharing more tips and thoughts and stories from the Saucy Southerner and the Sassy Scandinavian. So to each and every one of you, thanks for subscribing and for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.